Welcome, everybody, to the 68th ever episode of the West Coast Preps Podcast. I am Chris Jackson, joined here by Gregory Morlinson. I can't believe I'm already saying this, but we're halfway through the football season in the Bay Area for the spring for high school football. Odd thing to say, it's a shorter season, right? The abbreviated spring season here you're going to get in most six games. It's different, but we're already halfway through. It's been a fun one. We had some fun week three games, but Greg, first off, how are you doing? And how was your weekend? I'm doing pretty good. The weekend was good. Saw a couple or a few of the good games this weekend. Uh, saw some good football. Most importantly, you know, actually, you know what? I'm going to do it this, to you this time. I don't care how you're doing this weekend. So how was your games this weekend? How about that? Oh, how were my games this weekend? Um, I think we saw one of the games of the year on Saturday in San Ramon. We'll get into that in a little bit. But that Cal Monta Vista game was fire. That is the only way to describe that game. It was fire. It was ridiculous. Every single play was just something new, something different, something crazy. I enjoyed that game a lot. I was upset and sad when it was over. I wish that game was still going on. I wish we were in like the 57th overtime right now, but you can't always get what you wish for. You know, just that's just the way it goes sometimes. And also the Warriors are just starting to fade away from the NBA postseason. They're not looking so hot right now. Greg's Golden State Warriors are just not looking good. Steph Curry's out for a week, and now they're out of the playoffs. There's still, like, 20 games left. Yeah, the Warriors, the Warriors are done. The, okay. I'm not getting the Warriors. All, yo, Warriors fans are the you worst. Know, you know what, though? I, I, I'm okay with it. I'm okay that Kelly Oubre is still here. I'm glad Kelly Oubre has not been traded. I wanted Kelly Oubre to stay. I, I'm speechless. Yeah, I, I, but, 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 Greg, what are your thoughts on the Golden State Warriors before we get into this high school football stuff? I'm fine with the Warriors. I hate the Warriors fans. They're all terrible. They're all terrible. Ter- so many times. They're all terrible. Absolutely awful. I'm over it. I think you're paying too much attention to social media. Warriors Twitter is the worst Twitter of all time. I think every Twitter is the worst Twitter of all time. A West Coast Press Twitter, fire. Is fire. Warriors Not- Twitter, terrible. Just straight awful. All I see is complaining. No, I mean, some of these last couple of games were a little, were a lot, eh, kind of scary. That's kind of what happens when your best and second best player are no longer um, playing. But there yeah. was no effort. Out. No effort whatsoever. There's no effort? Did you even watch the game? See that defense? Do you that see who they play. don't have on the court? They didn't have – okay, for one game. There's no excuse for professional. <clears throat> you take the best three players off of any team, they'll probably look like that. That, that, so, was, that, that was bad. I mean, you take LeBron, Anthony Davis off the Lakers, look at them. They're not very good either. These are, these are professionals. There's only so many excuses I can make for professionals. It's not an excuse – it's just a reason. When your three best players are no longer playing, what what do you expect? It's a little bit of a better effort against the Kings. The Kings. The Sacramento Kings. I can't. You're a part of that Warriors fan group. That's just terrible. No, I'm fine with it. I just thought it wasn't good, but it's fine. They can get – if they can make some good moves this offseason – 
let's start, start tanking. I think tank, they have no cap space. No, what moves do you want to make? Which is from draft picks. That's how you make moves, get good draft picks. Those are the moves that you got to get. I don't know. Nico Manny looks pretty good right now. Jordan yeah. looks pretty good right now. And you James see their Weisman, chemistry. James Weisman. Their chemistry is good. That's why. Their chemistry, those three, is really good. It gives you some promise for the future with those three playing together. They don't, the team doesn't look good right now, but they do give you hope for the future. That is one thing that you can say for sure. I have no words for you. How is that, how is that wrong? Tell me how that's wrong. They don't, may not look good right now, but they've got a promising future with it, with some of these pieces. Why do they not look good right now? Have you watched them recently? I mean, yeah, I've watched a little bit of the games. I just think you're complaining when Steph Curry's been out for the last 10 days. Oh, I'm not, I'm not complaining. They're just, they're, even with Steph, their offense was still one of the worst offenses in the league. Steph carried that offense a lot, guys. That was, it was all him. Well, when Steph's on the court, they're one of the best offenses in the league, so. Oh, no, not, no, they're not, not this year. When check he's on the court, yeah. Check, it's check just when he's off the court, they're the worst team in the league. And they're still, even with him, they're still bottom half of the league's NBA scoring-wise this year. But I'm saying when he's on the court, they're top five. No, they're not. Yes, they are. Go look up the stats. Clearly, you're not. Uh, they're not. Look at it. You look it up yourself. They're, they're not top five stuff on the court this year. They're not top they're five stuff on the court. Yes, they are. Their offensive rating is like 117 or something like that, 116. Pull it up. Pull it up. I'm not going to pull it up right now. We're in the middle of a podcast. The Warriors' future is good, but this is not their year. It's okay to say that. It's, it's okay not, to it's say. Not your year. It's not your year. It's okay to say the Warriors aren't great. Greg, it's okay to criticize your favorite team sometimes. It's okay to do that. It's okay to criticize. I think they should run more pick and roll with James Wiseman. I'll yes. say that. Yes, they should. How about more Steph Draymond to James Wiseman pick and roll? That is lethal. I mean, That's I what I want to see more of. I would agree. Yeah. I would say that I will criticize Steve Kerr that they should run more pick and roll. But to say that they're terrible and that their front office needs to be, like, fired and everyone's washed and all this stuff is just ridiculous. But who has said that? Name names. Connor McIntosh. He has said that. He said that the front office is washed. You've also said that. Well, that time. was also a joke. You don't fire Bob Myers. That would be stupid. I don't know. It's hard to tell what what's a joke through text. So, you know. You're taking everything too literal. Chris Jackson said to fire the Monta Vista alumni. I I not that was that was false. <laughs> that was falsified information. That was a joke. Bob Myers should not be fired when he's won you three titles, though. So. You can't fire him. You can criticize some of the moves, but you don't fire him. I I've seen differently in a group chat. That's to get you going. That's easy. To get me going. I don't even respond in the group chat anymore. I don't I'm not sure how that's gonna get me going when I don't you know, even but pay you know, But you know it's positive. You guys not disturbed. Now, Greg, you want to know some positive news of the NCAA tournament. It's been a lot of fun, and my bracket's doing very well. And I think yours is too. I think I'm in fifth place out of, like, nine people. So. Oh, really? Really? That's, no, that's I, I have two teams left, Michigan and Gonzaga. Yeah. And I don't even know if they – did they win? Um, yeah, Gonzaga crushed Creighton. Michigan crushed Florida State. I was surprised, but I thought Florida State would be better. Did USC win? Yeah, USC not paying attention. Yeah, USC beat Oregon. UCLA beat Alabama in overtime. Where's Oregon State? Did they already lose? Oregon State's in the Elite Eight. 
Oh, they they are. So the Pac-12 has three teams in the Elite Eight. Half, almost half of the Elite Eight is Pac-12 only. Interesting. I'm pretty sure we talked about it in the last podcast when it was just us two about how great the Pac-12 is, and you were uh, you were like, "Nah, they ain't that good." But huh? Not from interesting. Not, not how from, Greg is always right. Not from top to bottom, but at the top, apparently, right now the Pac-12 is the cream of the crop. This is the weirder. This is bizarre. You've got a six seed, and then you've got an eleven seed. And then a 12 seed in the Elite Eight. It's crazy. Y'all need to start, stop underestimating the West Coast. That's all I got to say. The crazy part is Oregon State would not have been in if they didn't win their conference tournament. Now they're in the Elite Eight. It's amazing just these runs and what happens. But you know what? Anyway, before Greg gets on another tangent about haters towards his teams and his, the disrespect towards his favorite programs. You want to talk about the Patriots and how good they are? No, we're not. We're, we're moving on to high school sports. About the Patriots. No, we're talking about the Patriots. We're about the Patriots. We are not talking about the Patriots. The Patriots are irrelevant in the NFL sphere. They're going to get Trevor Lawrence somewhere, somewhere. No, they're not. Maybe Justin Fields. I'm not sure yet. Who One of the two. Before we move on, who would you rather have? Who would I rather have? Trevor Actually, Lawrence. You know, we're going we're gonna to name the top three quarterbacks. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and Justin Fields. Who would you want to have out of those three? Gotta be Trevor Lawrence. I don't know if I believe in Zach Wilson, although he did make a great throw. But everyone's hyping it up to that throw was crazy. I mean, that was ridiculous. Yeah. You know what I saw funny was this guy said Trevor Lawrence was at his pro day. He ran right out of the pocket and then ran back to the left out of the pocket. And then somehow the guy on the right side just forgot how to play football, so he ran back to the right side and then threw the football. That's real, real football right there. Pro, pro days don't mean anything. Nothing is ridiculous. And pro days are important. That's why all the scouts are always at pro days. Pro days are important. Those pro things what? are important. That's what you're showing off. That, that's when you do a lot of interviews with scouts, build those connections. There's a lot of things that go into it. So well, I mean, interviews, sure. But, like, the actual stuff on, like, you have 12 games of tape from last year. Just go watch that. Yeah, but they, but they also want to get – they want to get more than tape. They want to get the measurables – the speeds before than the actual combine. They want to start getting a lot of stuff. You know what you can't measure? This is why Tom Brady was taking 199. Heart. You can't measure heart. Oh, you can't always measure heart. That was one of the worst drafts of all time. People sleeping on Tom Brady for that one. But sometimes you swing and you miss, I guess, and look what happened. Yep. I'm just saying. Can't measure heart. You can't. You know. But you know who what? are you taking? But you, you, know what? you know who I'm taking? Super Cam. I'm taking all the times you criticized them during last season. The Sharks are done too. The Sharks are washed. That's a franchise that's washed. There they go. Just criticizing your own team again. Why you have some positive, positive vibes only? But you know what? You know who showed heart? We're going to get into high school sports now. Someone that showed a lot of heart, a team that showed a lot of heart. Elijah Clock, man. This dude is as strong as it gets. Last Sunday night, he lost his father. His father, unfortunately, tragically passed away. I was at Camp Lindo's practice Tuesday. I found out from an assistant his father passed away. I wouldn't have known it because Elijah comes up to me before practice, always smiling a character as Elijah always is, right? We all know Elijah, just happy-go-lucky kid, a hard worker, does so much. You never know. He's at practice just being a great teammate, a great leader, being a captain. He goes out there Friday night, plays as well, has a great game against a great Akalani's team. He and his teammates – really rallied together with each other. Campolino beats Akalani's 28 to 13, but Elijah Clock, most importantly, 
the strength he showed, the perseverance he showed, the heart he showed is really unmatched. To lose your father five days before that game, still come out, show up to these practices with a smile on your face, even have the strength to talk about your father in interviews after the game, just to show you how tough this kid is. I can't even imagine how tough that news was to get, to have to go through that and to still be going through that. That's something you can never really get over right, but this kid showed just the greatest toughness really you could ever witness. His teammates were broken up about it. Everybody loved Elijah's father. Obviously, our thoughts go out to the Clock family, to Moraga, Camp Leno, everybody who was touched by Elijah Clock's father's life. I know those two were inseparable, training together all the time, talking about football all the time, Elijah's dreams. I know teammates, Matai Bell, the Army signee going to West Point for football in the fall, even told me that was a relationship that sometimes that a lot of people dream of just to have with their parents that Elijah and his father had. And to go out there, play a football game, practice all week, at the end of it, play a game, play extremely well, come out with a win. I mean, that's as good as it gets right there. I was raving about that that entire Friday evening. I don't know how you couldn't because that's one of the best performances I think anybody could ever see. Yeah, and you told me the news on Tuesday night as well, and I was, I kind of just stopped. I was like, how is he out there practicing right now? You know, I, I can only imagine the emotions that he was going through. And I was out there for their week one game and got to interview him after the game. And like you said, always a smile on his face, always happy, um, you know, works his butt off to, to get to the point that he's at. And thoughts and prayers go out to the clock family, like you said. And, you know, hopefully that – hopefully he continues to, to work hard and, I'm sure he's going to continue to do it for his dad and whatnot as well. So, um, but it's good to see, you know, that team rally around him and they had a big win. Uh, so it, it's just, it's tough to see someone go through that, but it's nice to see the team and the family bond and you see, you know, football and the team camaraderie, you know, and just how much a family, a football team is a family at the end of the day. So um, thoughts and prayers go out to Elijah and the clock family. Yeah, the power of sports right there, just for everyone to rally together, get through that tragedy, still go out there and play together and get a win like that is extraordinary. And Camp Lindo just played a heck of a game. You look at it, the defense forced three turnovers, two of those turnovers led to 14 points. Camp Lindo wins by 15. Akalani's had an extra point blocked right there. So you look at those turnovers that blocked extra points, special teams, defense, Tells the story in that game in a lot of ways. Akalani's offense came in scoring 33 points one game, 35 another. We know the weapons they have from Sam Heyman, Will Berrien, Dante Montgomery, Nick Rossi, Brady Hutchinson. Camp Lindo's defense comes out there and plays a phenomenal game. Absolutely phenomenal. Their offense, efficient. Look at their quarterback, Jacob Griesel, 19, or 9 of 13, I should say, for 198 yards and a touchdown. Dylan Tom, just a workhorse at running back, 31 carries, 119 yards and two touchdowns. JT Clark had the three carries for 40 yards. Then you look at Joey Schmidt, just a huge day offensively. Five catches, 126 receiving yards, a touchdown. He had a crazy touchdown catch in there where the ball was kind of bobbled in his hands for a second. He came down with it on this little inside route, 15 yards up the middle, takes it to the house. Huge play. Campano gets the big win. They're 3-0. Akalani's is 2-1 this season. Campano, though, doing what the Cougars always do. And that's win big games, win games consistently. 
And once again, Camp Wondo is one of the best teams in the Bay Area, and they showed it there on Friday night in Moraga, and that went over Akalani's 28-13. to 13. Yeah, and must say we've got both – both of us got this one wrong. We had a – both had Akalani's in this game, and clearly we were wrong. Um, Camp Wendo, what can we say? They're, they're ranked where they're at for a reason because they're that good of a team, and we've seen it every single game this year. So – Yes, we have. And you can see all the post-game coverage from that game, the game recap, talks out about Elijah Clock's toughness and top performers from that game at westcoastpreps.com. The photo gallery is up there as well. You can see where Camp Lindo now is in our spring football rankings at westcoastpreps.com. But we're going to get into another Friday night game that Greg was at, Pittsburgh at Heritage. Some kind of early electricity there in Brentwood, too. I mean, Heritage made that a game. I know Heritage has struggled the last couple of years on the football field, this new head coach and staff under Dave Fogelstrom's got the Patriots football program re-energized, and you saw it there on Friday in a great game against Pittsburgh. Yeah, and it was Heritage's last home game this year. It's their last few games. They're going to be on the road this year. So their senior night, their last home game, they put on a great performance in the first half. And I must say I was talking to a couple other people on the sideline, and I told them I'm, I'm kind of surprised. You know, I, I came to the game and I was expecting Pittsburgh to put up 59 points again like they did in week in their first week. And they didn't. Heritage defense played really well. That was the first touchdown that they had given up all year um, to Pittsburgh in that first quarter. <clears throat> it was kind of surprising, though, to see Heritage play so well. Um, they did have some big-time players. Jaden Price had a big-time game offensively and defensively. He had a touchdown this game on the offensive side as a wide receiver. Um, we all know how good of a defensive back he is, though, as well. But Pittsburgh is just too much. There's too much talent on the field. The first half was, you know, a little rocky. They all talked about, you know, they just need to come together. And, you know, they've worked way harder, way too hard to come into this season and, and to perform like they did in that first half. And the second half, they showed just – how good they are and why they're the number three team right now ranked and defense played great. They didn't give up much of anything in that second half until it was just about over. And then their offense, Eli Brickhandler, we all, all know about him at this point. He just wins football games. He finds a way to do it. Yes, he does. We saw him when he was in the winter circle athletics champions league, just making some heroic plays. He's doing it again at Pittsburgh, his final stats, 155 passing yards, two touchdowns. He also had 13 rushing yards there on the ground. I know we talked a lot about just their incredible 2023 class too, but they had some seniors that really stepped up in this game. Pittsburgh's talent is all the way up from the top to the bottom of that roster. Dejuan Pierce on the running back, 16 carries, 147 yards on a touchdown. You spoke with them after the game. You can see that interview on our YouTube page. Matthew Casada, the transfer from Freedom, five catches for 59 yards. Lamont Fortenberry, two catches for 40 yards in the touchdown. Rick Camacho Jr., one catch for 30 yards. And you look at it, Israel Polk, three catches for 26 yards. That sophomore, some Division One offers. But you go up and down that just deep receiving core, right? You had seven guys catch a pass in that game from their two Division One quarterbacks and Eli Brickhandler and Jaden Rashada. Pittsburgh, though, remains undefeated. They've got another great game coming up. And them against Liberty here this week on Friday evening. Last couple of years, they've had some close games. Last year, those two played each other. Both games, Pittsburgh won by one possession. Kind of one of the new upstart rivalries in the Bay Area, and that should be a fun one Friday. But Pittsburgh, 
still finds a way to win. That team came together, that talent came together, that coaching staff came together. But Heritage, they're on the come up. Fogelstrom's building a great culture there. And so just be aware of Heritage. I know they've got some young talent coming up through that program too. Yeah. So it's going to be fun to see what the Patriots start to do in the BVAL, which is a league that I swear to you in my entire life just keeps getting better and better up there. I'm excited to see what Heritage does the last few weeks of this season because um, I think they played really well and I think they have a great roster. So I'm excited to see how the last few weeks go for them after coming off their first loss this season as they moved to two and one. Um, you know, a little bit of adversity for the first time this year under the new coaching staff. So it'd be nice to see how they handle it and how they come out next week um, in their next game. And then also you mentioned Daytuan Pearson. I want to go over him. He had a great game, 16 carries, 147 yards and touchdown, like you said. Great game. I'm excited to see what he does for the last few games. As we all talked about, Pittsburgh's 2023 class, like you said, he's one of the many seniors on the team that is really carrying this team and leading this team right now. Yeah, the good thing you've got to say about this too, they've got all that young talent, but they've got great senior leadership up there at Pittsburgh too. For these young guys to look up to, just learn more stuff about what it's going to take to eventually be one of those senior leaders and captains. Maybe a lot of these sophomores next year's juniors become really big leaders on that roster, right? Especially as a guy like Eli Burkhandler graduates next year, Jaden Rashad is going to be a junior quarterback. It's going to be his show at Pittsburgh. It's, yeah. There's a lot of young guys moving up through that program. You've got to love, and they've got that great senior leadership. You can see why Pittsburgh's always one of the top teams in the Bay Area under coach Victor Galley. And then we're going to get into the next game you were at on Saturday, McClymans versus Skyline, the two top OAL teams in Oakland last year. They played again a rematch of that Silver Bowl there on Saturday in Oakland. Greg, you were there to tell the story, his recaps at westcoastpreps.com, but just give me your thoughts on that game. It looked like a statement game for McClymans. You know, we've talked a little bit about Skyline, quite a bit about Skyline here on West Coast Press, the podcast, and some stories on them. I think McClymans came in there, and there was a reason they went in there and put up 60 on them. I think it was kind of a statement game, like, don't forget that we're still McClymans, and and we're still this good um, because they really were that good on Saturday night. Um, I don't, I don't know what to say. They put up 60 with a running clock in the second half. They played that well. There's that many athletes on the field, um, breaking tackles, um, just getting, once they're in the open field, it's like, Oh boy, here we go. Because there's that much talent on the climbing side of the field. Um, the one question I do have about that game, I think it's the prevailing question, is whose drone was out there that made us stop the game for a good 20 minutes? I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to turn you in. I just want to know. I just want to know whose drone was there. I think everyone wants to know. So was it Bates's drone? Was it McClyman's drone? I'm, I'm not sure. I just want to know. Just let us know. That's all. Maybe it was just someone who couldn't get into the game as a fan just with new rules, right, and decided, <laughs> hey, I can't get in, but, you know, I'm going to have a drone over the field. I'm going to watch the game with a drone. That's it's too boring. We're, try we're here to stir stuff up, you know. That's you want to stir up the pot? You want to stir up the pot here, right? Yeah. We, we need some more, you know, just keep stirring up the pot. You know, I, I think that there was someone else. I think there was some uh, secrecy going on. It's not just someone trying to watch the game. It was probably someone trying to watch the game, but I'm just trying to have some fun with it because McClyman's put up 60 in that game and – the second half, you know, Skyline tried to get tried to get it going in the first play of the second half. They forced a fumble, and then the next play they threw a pick six. So the low motivation and run that they had um, didn't last very long. 
but Skyline's motivated. They said hopefully they'll see in a few more weeks. Uh, we'll see how the schedule goes out. They're unsure of how everything's going to work, but hopefully they said they'll get to see him again in a few weeks, and Skyline wants another go at it. Yes, they do, and got to look at McClyman's. I know Skyline's been a program really improving under Joe Bates, right? Last year won nine games, Silver Bowl runners up to McClyman's. They've got a lot of talent at Skyline. You look, they've got a lot of guys going to college next year. Over these next few years, having to be playing college football. Ian Perchlick, Julian Jackson, right? Some of these guys, Darius Smalton, was a heck of a D lineman. They've got some transfers that have moved in. Simeon Milan, that beast, big running back, moved in there for this season as well. They're getting, they've got some great transfers, some new kids moving in there with that culture. But McClyman's is McClyman's. They're the top dog in Oakland for a reason. They've won three state championships just in the last four or five years, right? They went to a state championship game last season too. There's a reason why they keep going there. They've got athletes. You spoke to some of them. You spoke to Davion Sanders after the game. Another fantastic athlete from McClyman's. But McClyman's, once again, they make a statement. That's a program to always watch out for. They've always been really good. And once again, McClyman's is still the number one team in Oakland until someone else proves otherwise. And then we'll go into what became – the top game that we saw this weekend, Cal against Monta Vista. Cal at the time, number 24. Also, PSA, Cal's moving way up in the rankings this week. People, just check that out, westcoastpreps.com. I think the Grizzlies are going to like their new spot against number 17, Monta Vista. I mean, it's so much different at Cal now. Under Eric Felici for a decade, Cal was running power eye, that power run game. You have a big fullback, a big running back. You were just grounding and pounding all game, running the clock there. Danny Calcagno comes in, head coach, in a very weird offseason, right? You can't underestimate this because this offseason has been just the most unique probably you're ever going to see again because of the pandemic hitting last March, right? Delaying everything. You've got a couple weeks to work in pads. You're learning playbooks virtually over Zoom, maybe routes on air at a lot of schools too. And Cal, Coach Calcagno, he moves this thing to a spread. It looks like you're watching some Big 12 football, Texas high school football, that spread these concepts, these play call names they've got. I was enjoying that. I'm sure Cal was too. They're running that spread and they make it look good. I was asking Cal Gagno after the game, like, how has that transition been? He's like, Chris, if I told you how challenging it was, man, it, it was crazy because that offseason was so different. In a normal offseason, you have time all spring and summer to work in person, learn these things. But instead, you're learning over Zoom. You can imagine how exhausting that probably was for kids after a certain point just learning these concepts over Zoom. They just want to get off the call and just do something in person, right? They finally can. They get a couple weeks. Cal's 2-1. and one. They beat Dublin. They beat Monta Vista. can make the argument they should have beat Clayton Valley, charter the defending state champs, but just a couple plays here and there. Clayton Valley comes out with the win. The Ugly Eagles won ugly, right, like we said before. But Cal, 2-1, and one, this big win over Monta Vista, 38-31 in overtime. Back and forth all game long, right? Cal takes the lead. Monta Vista takes the lead. Cal comes back. 126 remaining. Cal drives the field. They score. All of a sudden, Monta Vista is coming right back down a few big plays. Dylan Devitt to Matt Nury, their receiver, hits him 10 yards, 15 yards, 15 yards. Then all of a sudden, Monta Vista is driving. They get to the 23-yard line. Nathan Price just makes a 40-yard field goal, right? They send this thing into overtime with 10 seconds left. Then Cal scores, okay? They just keep running some big plays. Jay Hubbard, a huge day. We'll get into his block scoring this season. He's had here in a minute. They're running back, but Cal scores 38-31. Monavis is driving. They're hitting Jack Andrews some big plays. They're, they're getting to the Cal two-yard line right at the goal line. 
put out a legal touching call. Monavista moves back to the nine-yard line. Third down stop, fourth down stop, game over. Cal wins that game. Craziness. Drops Monavista to 0-3. Monavista, he had that first week against Aquilani's right with just a shortened roster with just over 20 kids almost winning that game. De La Salle last week. Cal this week, just a ridiculously tough schedule for some of this COVID-19 adversity that you've got to deal with. Meanwhile, Cal comes away with that big win. They just made the plays when they needed to. 14 of Montevista's points came on special teams, too. Judas Shepard returned two kickoffs to the house. So you look at a Cal's defense, technically gave up 17 points as a defensive unit against the Montevista offense that's got what, Col Colbosia. You've got Dylan Devitt at quarterback. You've got Gavin Cribb, Rocco Strong. You've got Murray. You've got Jack Endries, a great offensive line. And Cal's defense forced some turnovers, made some big plays. Josh Gerlach had an interception there, and then Cal's offense. Jake Hubbard, 163 yards and three touchdowns on 21 carries. He's had a great season. He's also got 100 receiving yards this year, too. He had 94 going into this game. He had six receiving yards on one catch in this game. Teddy Boris, the senior quarterback, 29 of 48, 306 passing yards, two touchdowns. I can't remember the last time a Cal quarterback threw for 300 yards in a game. It's had to have been over a decade, right? Just with their, They've had some good quarterbacks there recently, but this system was different. They're running all the time. Then he comes out, they throw the ball 48 times, technically 49 because they had a trick play with Jay Calcogno throwing a pass for 11 yards. But Teddy Boris, a big game. And then Jay Calcogno, the junior receiver, the son of the head coach, 13 catches, 156 yards and a touchdown. He's had a great junior season. He said he had a crazy touchdown, a 58-yard touchdown catch where, I'm telling you, he juked the guy out. He stiff-armed another Find his way into the end zone. He saw his old head coach there in the end zone watching him play and getting that touchdown. But a huge game from him. He was everywhere. Jet sweeps. I mean, just that kid's good. He's Eventually, you're going to see something come his way. I know he's excited for the film he's getting for recruiting. But those are some of your Cal stop numbers. And they had Tyler Jarvis had the three catches for 52 yards. Dominic Toyer, six catches for 50 yards. Darius Foster, five catches for 39 yards. And Hunter Holmes also had two catches for 19 yards. And Montevista, some of their top performers, 20, Dylan Devitt, 20 of 34, 208 yards and a touchdown. Gavin Cribb, Tony, he touches the ball so much, and he is so tough and so strong. 30 carries, 127 yards and a touchdown. Recently, he just got a second offer from Puget Sound, so he's got there in George Fox's opportunities to play at the next level. Then Jack Endries got a UNLV offer just before this game. He's got Fresno State, and then the University of Pennsylvania just offered him on Monday. He's got, he had six catches for 77 yards and a touchdown. Matt Murray, five catches for 60 yards. Colbo said three catches, 46 yards in that game. But California High School, they've got a good culture. Coach Calcogno is doing a great job. Boichi did a great job there. Calcogno is keeping this thing going with a completely new set, offense, defense, everything. But the Grizzlies are good. It, it, it goes to show you, which is our next topic, of how good the East Bay Athletic League is, right? I spoke with Coach Cal after that game. My last question is, how do you keep this momentum going, right, especially after a big one in overtime? His lower answer was, Chris, I have no idea, as he's laughing, because, you know, the EBAL, seeing this our whole lives, it's a different beast, they, especially that division there in the EBAL. De La Salle, Clayton Valley Charter, San Ramon Valley, Montevista, you've got Cal High, Clayton Valley last year, state champs. San Ramon Valley is always great. They're coming up. They're going to be playing San Ramon Valley. You've got Montevista. I know Montevista is 0-3, but you look at the history of Montevista football, the talent they've got. 
you've got them. You've got De La Salle, not Division Two. So Cal's got San Ramon Valley and De La Salle coming up on that schedule. So that division, that league is just – it's sick. I don't think there's any other way to put it. And I think his answer after that game summed it up per- perfectly. We talked about that for 10 minutes about just how crazy the schedule is. Yeah, and I mean just going back to the game in California – real quick and just how good their program has come. I got to see them the previous week when they played Clayton Valley in a game that when you look back on it, they really had every chance to win that game. Um, Clayton Valley just won ugly as we've talked about before, but the offense put up 63 against Dublin in week one. They put up 38 against this team. They put up what I think was 16, 2016 was the final against Clayton Valley. But I mean, they had multiple different opportunities to get in the end zone and Clayton Valley's defenses probably one of the best defenses in that division. When you really think about it, they've played great the last few years defensively with Dylan Silly leading the charge there. California's offense is just that good, though. They're, it, like you said, they went from running I formation, going to the spread offense with trick plays all over the place. They had a trick play touchdown against Clayton Valley last week, you know, having Cal Cogno throw the ball again this week. Um, they're just innovative. You know, maybe maybe the Andy Reid of e-ball right now is uh, California. And the I Chiefs. like that comparison. I like that comparison a lot. Right? Always yeah. innovative, always finding something different. Um, <clears throat> so, I mean, I, I kind of like that. They're, they're the Chiefs of e-ball right now, is Cal. Um, you know, something new, something different every week. And then going into e-ball, I mean, Monta Vista, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure that they play Clayton Valley Charter next week. It was the number seven team currently. I mean, just go back and forth every single week you play in that division in that league. It's a tough matchup. There's no day, days off. There's no weeks off. There's no like, all right, well, we're going to go into this game and we just have to go out there and show up and we can win the game. Because if you do that, you're going to get blown out. Um, and I mean, that's proven week in, week out. It doesn't matter who you play. It's going to be a tough game. So E-ball is, I mean, that's, and that's just that half of E-ball. You go to the other half of E-ball, there's a few more amazing teams right. out there. That's- got Livermore, right? Livermore's a top 25 team. Foothill Amador mm-hmm. on the outside looking into the rankings. Dublin's had some good games this year, just some tough losses, right, to Cal with that big second half. Dublin, that, that tough one point loss to Foothill 36-35 this weekend. But EBAL just, I mean, it's ridiculous how good yeah. it is. We've talked about, I mean, you have the WCAL over there in San Jose area too, the Silicon Valley area. I mean, that league is good, but I mean, when you go team to team on comparison, I'm not sure. It's hard to. You know what? You know what? Let's have another poll. What's the better league, EBAL or WCAL? Let's post this and see who, what the winner is in votes. Let's have, let's I'm, see who our viewers say. I got to say EBAL. Though. Are, are we biased though? Because we went to Granada. No, I, I do have to – you look at the WCAL, though, too, right? Valley, Christian, Sarah, two top five teams. St. Francis, number 11, okay? They've got some good teams in that league. And Reardon, I mean, Reardon's a great basketball school. St. Ignatius is ranked in football. Bellarmine's got a new coaching staff. They're very excited. They're on the outside looking in. They should have – they would have played St. Francis this weekend, but COVID-19 protocols, that game's going to be pushed back into April now. So it looks like that last weekend, the 23rd or the 24th. Haven't seen an official date or heard an official date for that game yet, but WCAL is loaded, but the EBAL too. I mean, it's just, especially one division where it's De La Monta Vista, SRV, Cal, Clayton Valley Charter. I, mean, I was going to say that WCAL is top heavy, but then you look at that, you have De La Salle, Clayton Valley Charter, and Sierra Valley all in top 10 as well. 
EBL, I would, I would go EBAL is better, but I mean, it's by a hair, right? It's maybe by an eyelash is that difference. But you know what? Let's have our viewers decide this too. Let's have a little poll. See who we'll we'll post a poll on Twitter and Instagram. How Yep, we will do that. We'll, we'll, post we'll, that. See, we'll yep. see who wins. Yeah, let us know. We'll have that voting going up for 24 hours and you guys let us know what's there. But last takeaway from the weekend before we move on to our rankings and then what some of the games of the week voting is going to look like for this week. Sacred Art Prep, again, that big one over the Canes Academy, 38-31. to 31. That was a ranked matchup going into this week. But Sacred Art Prep is another big one. They're 3-0. and Teddy Purcell, again, man, 172 passing yards, four touchdowns. Through three games, he's got 628 passing yards, eight touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Beck Anderson, six receptions for 85 yards. You've got it now. Sacred Heart Prep wins over Aragon, Burlingame, and Kings Academy. You outscore them 104 to 43 in those other two games. Combined 12 points from Burlingame and Aragon. One shutout against Burlingame. So Sacred Heart Prep. Paul Barton has been a just, he's become a household name in his first ever three football games there. They've got some guys. Answer Let's see, he was a good running back. Well, Mackey defensively as well, but Sacred Heart Prep, a ranked team now too. They're ranked and they've shown it three and zero. Three and zero. They a big game against Kings Academy, who was ranked going into the week, and now they're on the outside looking in. But Kings Academy is a good team, and they won that game. I picked Kings Academy. I got that one wrong. That was the one difference that me and Chris had this week in terms of our record. So Chris still has a two-game lead, unfortunately. But that will change this upcoming week because Jackson 5 is trash, but it's fine. Jackson um, 5 is trash, but you're losing. The GMT guarantees had a struggle. The first week was a struggle. What are your excuses this time? You've always had excuses for when your picks don't work. Don't your, good. Yeah, good. My excuse, if, if there's an excuse, is you got to see Sticker Heart Prep play. I have not, not seen him have a chance to play. You know? And so. I, that'd be my one excuse. If I'm going to come up with an excuse. There's no excuses, though. I don't come up with excuses. This is terrible. Anyways, Sacred Heart Prep, 3-0. What are they, 22 this week, right? Yep, there. Now, yeah, let's take a look at our rankings now, which is a good segue into that. Sacred Heart Prep is 22, right? Liberty has jumped into the rankings again. They've had some good seasons the last few years, but you look at it, too. They've got so much young talent this year. Lost some guys' graduation, moved, but now Liberty 2-0 in the rankings. They've crushed Antioch and Deer Valley through those first two weeks by a combined 62-6. to Some other changes in these rankings. Cal moved up seven spots. Wilcox, two spots. Oak Grove, two. Livermore, three spots. You've got a few Vincent's and Camp Lindo moved up a spot. So there's, there's been a, some shifting, especially from those 15 spots down. Top 14, 15, relatively the same in those spots. These teams, any teams in those spots that lost were, well, quality losses, right? Clayton Valley Charter loses over the weekend, the Monterey Trail, but Monterey Trail, 12 wins last year, a premier team out there in the Central Valley. Monterey Trail ran the ball 60 times in that game for 313 yards. They just pounded it up on the ground all day long. Sierra Mo Valley lost, but that was to De La Salle. But there's been some shifts. Vintage is killing teams right now. They've outscored the three opponents 165 to six. Yeah, I mean, Vintage is going crazy. Every time he's the halftime score, it's about 50 to nothing. Seems like every single week. Um, do want to give a shout out, though, to Bishop O'Dowd gets their first one of the season as they're ranked at number 24 this week. 
shout out to them as they get their first one of the season under that new coaching staff as well. James Logan is now 2-0 on the season after they got a victory over Davis. Um, Akalani drops down to number 20 as we've talked about that game earlier. The big debate, though, that, you know, Chris and I had was the Livermore, California Wilcox. And not sure. Livermore 3-0. No, we, we talked about Eball just a, a minute ago. That's the big debate. And we'll see as the last couple of weeks go down where it's at. McClyman's at 15 after winning 60 to nothing. I mean, you go through these top 25 teams, there's a lot of amazing teams. Yes, there are. It's going to be fun. You mentioned Bishop O'Dowd there, too. Their first one beat Ensenal 41-7. to Last year, Ensenal played in the NCS Championship for its division. But Bishop O'Dowd is looking good under David Perry. Their only loss was by eight points to San Ramon Valley. They had some fourth-quarter turnovers that cost them in that one. But Isaac Green, two interceptions defensively. Tyler Hunter and Ben Martin both caught two touchdown passes. So Bishop O'Dowd looking good under David Perry. Excited to see what they do. Them and James Logan. They're coming up soon, too, on the schedule. Not this week, but following week, those two teams are going to duke it out on the gridiron. But now time to go into our teams that looking for that game of the week voting. There's a lot of good ones this week, man. Thursday through Saturday, we've got some tough ones. San Leandro Bishop out on Thursday. James Logan against Moreau Catholic. Pittsburgh against Liberty. Los Gatos against Mountain View. Sarah against St. Francis on Saturday afternoon. Sacred Heart Prep against Menlo Atherton on Saturday afternoon in San Ramon Valley versus Cal on Saturday evening. Yeah, I mean, honestly, we might be even throwing a Clayton Valley Monta Vista in there, too. That's going to be a good game. There's a lot of good games this weekend. So uh, game of the week voting is going to be a lot of fun because the amount of games that are just quality matchups this week is really, really good. So I'm excited to see what game of the week voting turns out to be. Look out for that as it came out just yesterday afternoon. Go out there and vote, and we'll we'll send Chris out there. My favorite game of the week. Where am I going to send Chris to? Yep, exactly. What what? Tell me one of the games I'm going to this week, so you guys can vote on that until noon on Thursday. You guys have done a great job voting. Keep that stuff up. We're enjoying that game of the week. Is going to be fun. But Greg, before we wrap this up, you got anything else you want to say? More takeaways? Anything else you got before we wrap up the 68th episode? One more thing about the game of the week voting. We're all doing football right now, but as soon as football season ends, we will then transition into baseball game of the weeks. Um, also, basketball is obviously this year is a little weird. All three seasons are kind of combined into one. Um, so other sports, don't worry. We haven't forgotten about you. We will get some baseball game of the week voting in and some basketball game of the week voting in whenever those games start coming back for basketball. So uh, right now, football season, and then we'll transition into other sports as we uh, – as football season wraps up in a few weeks. Yep, and we'll start having baseball team rankings coming up on our website soon as well. But until then, check out all of our coverage this week. We're going to be at more practices and games. But also- Go Patriots. Well, I, that's the one thing I do want to say. Patriots, one of the best teams AFC now. Cam Newton, regular offseason, full offseason with Bill Belichick. With that offensive crew now, they got the two tight end system. Who needs Gronk and Brady? You don't need them. This was just a one-year – it wasn't a rebuild. It was just a reshuffle. Who, who needs them? Then they just won the Super Bowl? Nah. That Super Bowl didn't count. That, that, that Super Bowl didn't count? Was there a Super I was working. I, I don't know. I was in L.A. I, there was WCA football. 
that so the Super Bowl doesn't count because you didn't watch it. I think yeah. I, I think a Patriots fan is just salty. Brady won a Super Bowl with another fan. I'm, I'm happy for him. He's got eight now or seven. I don't know seven, whatever. Seven, whatever, whatever he's got. Yes, it's seven. He's probably gonna win an eighth this year, and yeah. the Patriots will come in second. But you know, whatever. Yeah, Brady beats his old team and breaks your heart. That'd be. I would. I don't know if I'd break my heart. I'd be happy. For, it would. I'm happy for Brady. It would. But you know, before we wrap this up, our game pick standings right now. I'm at eleven and six. I won three and two last week. Greg is at nine and eight overall through three weeks. He's at two and three last week. But until then, until Wait, one. Are we gonna make Major League Baseball prediction? Or can we? Are we gonna do that on the next podcast? Nobody cares about Major League Baseball. The A's are irrelevant. I'm not. I don't care about baseball. Oh, so the A's are irrelevant. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put that on. I'm just gonna take that out and put it everywhere. Yeah, go ahead. I don't care. The A's are irrelevant. I, I don't, baseball's done. The Giants aren't irrelevant. Giants are gonna be good this year. Giants are irrelevant too. Both Bay Area teams are irrelevant this year. I think that's the right way to put it. Chris Jackson is irrelevant. Go ahead. You can finish it now. Yeah, so is the so is the GMT guarantee apparently because he talks all this all this trash and what's yeah he's just barely above a 500 record, kind of kind of looking like the Raiders out there trying to hover around 500. But anyway, that wraps it up. Subscribe to our YouTube page, follow all of our work on social media at West Coast Preps underscore, and follow all of our work at westcoastpreps.com.